Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Podcast. To find out more about the Worklife Hub and to listen to other episodes, please go to www.worklifehub.com. Welcome to another episode of the Worklife Hub Podcast. I am your host, Agnes Uheretsky. If this is the first time that you are tuning in, let me just say a few words about this podcast. We speak to authors, researchers, business thought leaders, for them to share their knowledge and insight on work-life balance, leadership, culture change and organizational development. In our work at the Worklife Hub, we help companies reform their workplace to create a culture that embraces diversity and work-life balance. We are passionate about building vibrant and engaging workplaces that are great for employees and customers. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can do this via Twitter at WorkLifeHub, on our LinkedIn page or on our website. We're always happy to hear how you like the podcast or any other ideas that you would like to share with us. And now, on with the show. Welcome to the listeners of the WorkLife podcast. This is your host, Agnes, and I'm very excited to be today talking to Trisha Molloy. Hi, Trisha. Hi, Agnes. Um, Trisha is a corporate leadership speaker on work-life balance and achieving goals. She specialized in empowering emergent, emerging women leaders, and also she is developing and has developed a number of employee development programs for companies. She has a background in public relations and started her company Malloy Communications in 1988. She authored three books, Working with Wisdom, 10 Universal Principles for Enlightened Entrepreneurs, Crave Your Goals, and Design Your Ideal Life. And also another program she developed, which is called Work-Life Balance Wisdom, 7 Smart Strategies for Less Stress and more success, something that I think a large majority of global population needs. So I'm very, very pleased that uh, we're connecting, uh, Trisha. We actually, I think, connected on LinkedIn and then we had another very interesting conversation. And and I'm just very, very pleased that you took the time to be with us uh, for this conversation. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you. So would you mind taking um, listeners a bit through your journey what is your passion? What motivates you? And how you got to where you are now with your with your consultancy? Mm, okay. Well, I seem to always use the strategies that I wrote and I speak about, even as a small child. And when I started my marketing business back in 1988, I used these strategies to run and grow my business. And when clients or colleagues would say to me, well, that was an interesting way that you dealt with that opportunity or that challenge, I'd like to know more about it. And I started to coach and consult uh, with them around these strategies. And then back, oh, let's see, about 2004 is when I started thinking, well, maybe I can put these into a book and share them with other people. And so the book came out in 2006, and that began my my speaking and mentoring business. So it's something that was very intuitive to me. And then I did some research and learned about the scientific background on some of these strategies. And just, it's clearly my purpose in life to share this message. So it's been for the last 10 years, just a wonderful journey 
of letting people know how these strategies work and how they can put them to work for themselves to enhance their both their professional life but also their personal life. It's so interesting that you you say that you feel like this has been your purpose for life because a number of our podcast guests actually also uh, mentioned that you know some who have been in very different sectors or work environments before and and have come into the leadership ar arena and are now um, writing on leadership or culture change or work-life balance that they feel that this is really their groove mm. and I have to say I, I to it totally resonates with me because you know working on the work-life hub and on these issues um, one cannot but help you know but be extremely passionate about and trying it has such an impact on people's lives It does. We are very fortunate, aren't we, Agnes, that we have found our purpose and get to share that in the work that we do. Absolutely. So um, now maybe uh, if we can go a little bit more into detail in some of uh, your programs and, mm -hmm. and perhaps the one on the work-life balance wisdom, the smart strategies. So um, these are your strategies that you, you have kind of collected uh, and, and, and put them in seven points. So would you maybe like to just highlight some of them or sure. before that to explain a little bit how this works as a system? Yes. So let's see, when I when my book came out in 2006 and I started to speak to companies, I would cover all 10 principles or strategies from the book because they're all great principles. They've been around forever. I've just packaged them in a way to make them easier to apply in today's workplace. So there are strategies like uh, being mindful and defining your purpose and also um, embracing prosperity. And although my audiences seem to be very inspired, they were often somewhat overwhelmed because it was just so much information that I was sharing with them. And some of it, I believe, may have been uh, conflicting with their own limiting beliefs. And I thought, well, let me do this differently. How can I better serve my audience? And so even though it was hard at first, because I love all the principles, I figured if I could just get get it down to five, that would be uh, better for them to take in and actually start to apply. And so I chose five of the most practical, the principles, and then I came up with the acronym CRAVE, as in CRAVE Your Goals. Uh, and to me, I like when speakers have something that's easy to remember, steps that are easy to remember, so you can practice it better and you can share it with other people. And CRAVE is a very juicy word. So my initial program, when I first get, got clear about my speaking, is called CRAVE Your Goals. And CRAVE is an acronym for clean out the clutter, physical clutter, emotional clutter, technical clutter, raise your energy. Um, affirm success using po uh, positive self-talk, visualize, and express thanks. And then a few years after that, my clients started asking for other programs, and I took the other five principles and created the Design Your Ideal Life program. And then a few years after that, when I started to get more and more requests for work-life balance programs, I took a few of the CRAVE steps and a few of the design steps and came up with the work-life balance wisdom. So in that program, what I do is I start with getting people to figure out why they want more balance. Because I often say, you know, just about everyone will claim to be out of balance, overworked, just stressed out. 
almost as a badge of, of honor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right? You, I'm sure you see that all the time. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times when I say, okay, so you want more balance, but why? They can't really define what they would do if they had more time and energy and other resources. But for someone who understands how to achieve goals, I will say to them, until you have a very clear picture of what you want to accomplish, that goal that's important to you, it's really hard to make mm, positive changes, to learn new habits, because you need to be motivated by reaching some goal. So that's the first thing I, I, I do when I, when I do these programs is get them to think about the why. So the why mm-hmm. might be, you know, spend more time with my kids. Uh, get healthier by taking more time to exercise and eat right. It could be, you know, go for uh, for my master's degree or a certification so I can get a promotion. So that's the first piece. Then the second piece is the what. And the, and the what might be, you know, all the different areas that you're juggling to be able to make a list of those categories, you know, from health and finances to work and family so that you can assess where you are in each of those areas And then you get a very clear picture of, I'm okay here and here, but this is where I need to spend more of my time and energy. So it helps you to kind of get a feel for where you need to put your attention and where you're doing okay, because then you start to get a little bit more clearer and more grounded um, about about what you need to do next. And then the the third piece in, in the formula are the strategies. So maybe before we unpick uh, some of them, um, first of all, I think it's wonderful to hear that more and more organizations and individuals are, you know, connecting with you mm-hmm. and wanting to wanting to improve on these aspects of their lives because we're a firm believers of uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, and, yes. and I think the more the more people awaken that there can be. And there is a better life for mm. them, which mm-hmm. is healthier, which is greener, which is happier than, <laughs> than, than I think it's, it's just going to spill over. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So, so I just wanted to say that's, that's fantastic. Mm. Now, can I maybe ask you uh, one, one thing? Because yes. Uh-huh. You, you, you refer to in your, in your work, you refer to work-life balance. And that's also something we refer to. But then there's... Some people, you know, come a little bit provoking and saying, yeah, but isn't this now work-life blend? Isn't this now work-life integration? And and my personal take is that um, I'm not sure integration is such a good thing, but I just wanted mm. to hear from you, you know, because you're sticking to the work-life balance um, terminology and, and yeah. the notion. And I just wanted to maybe get a feel f- for, for this from you. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Well, I use the work-life balance term because that's how most people refer to it and, you know, what resonates most with people, they get right away what, what, what I'm yeah. talking about. I will often preface it by saying, uh, you know, I speak about improving work-life balance because I'll be the first one to say there is no such thing as perfect balance. And if you're striving for that, you're just only going to get more uh, frustrated. So I understand that part. Sometimes when I work with clients, they will say, can you use the term integration or harmony? Because that's what we're using within our organization. And I'm fine with that. Um, I think what it comes down to, though, it comes down to making conscious choices. And regardless of what the employer has or doesn't have to 
support balance or or to support uh, better balance. Um, it really comes up, to, uh, is left up to the individual to make those choices so that they can enjoy a better life. Mm, absolutely. So coming now to work-life balance wisdom and smart strategies, um, do, do you have one that you think is kind of like one of the foundation stones of this or mm. are they all on equal footing? <laughs> I, I have one that I wanted to okay. afterwards, afterwards say, which I, for me was a critical tipping point when I started practicing that, but I wanted to see maybe first from you, whether there is one that you think is, is like the first one or the, the kind of the queen of the, of the wisdoms. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I think because, I've been so used to doing my Crave Your Goals program um, and the clean out the clutter piece is, is the first step in Crave Your Goals. I call it a little something different in the work-life balance uh, wisdom program. I call it create the space, but it is the same thing. And when I think about it, the most feedback I get from my uh, audiences around which which um, strategy they began using and which has had the most impact, it's almost always the clean out the clutter or create mm. the space. And I, and I explained that it's physical clutter. It's also technical clutter. You know, uh, we, we, there's so much technology that has been pushed on us in the last few years, but very little focus on managing that technology. Absolutely. And so that becomes just another piece of clutter. And then the third area is the emotional clutter. You know, the the uh, uh, the regrets, the resentments, um, the things that we haven't forgiven about someone else or perhaps ourselves, unfinished business, unnecessary obligations, toxic people in our lives. You know, when I speak about that, I say, you know, toxic people in our lives, those are the people that light up a room when they leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I also call them the vampires. Oh, yes. Yes. They suck the energy and the life and the air out of the room. It's true. <laughs> Absolutely. My, my, I have to say that the, the last one, which is um, cultivate an attitude of gratitude, mm -hmm. is something that has really worked for me. And, and that I'm trying to, to basically um, uh, tell everybody about and, and advocate for that everybody starts an, an, an active practice of gratitude and, mm. and you know, start trying to do that on, you know, first thing in the morning. Because if you feel gratitude, if you're grateful, it, it just also refers to love and People usually do stupid or, or unhelpful things when they're either scared or angry. But if you feel grateful, if you're in this place of gratitude, then the day can begin on a such better footing. So, Oh, it's, think, it is so yeah. true. I was just reading an article the other day about the, all the benefits of gratitude. And a few things that I was reminded of is, you know, it's, it's scientifically proven that it actually... Um, when you are in gratitude, feel-good um, hormones are released in your bloodstream. Um, and also, too, uh, fear and gratitude cannot reside in the same place. So when you are in fear, if you go into gratitude, the fear will dissipate. It's a very powerful emotion, and it's so simple to do. You know, even just writing a few times a week in a gratitude journal at the end of the day can make such a big impact. Just reminding you of all the things you have to be grateful for. 
Yes, because I mean, after all, I guess all of us and the listeners to this podcast, we are incredibly privileged. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. So, so I think that um, that we have so much more going for us than against us, and and just that can also tip a little bit this this emotional balance of taking yes. stock of this. Mm. Yes. Yes. Would you like to maybe highlight one more? I think uh, the get on purpose one sometimes sparks some discussion around it. What I say there is, you know, when you define your life purpose, when you really know why you're here, what brings you joy, um, it will help you to make better decisions. It will point you in the direction of, like we talked about, of of uh, work that, that, that really uh, helps us to express our purpose. And the way I explain how to define your purpose, because it just seems like such a daunting task. I say it's as simple as this. You know, think about what what motivates you, um, what are your um, uh, key values, and then what are your gifts, your natural gifts, your God-given talents. And when you have those, when you figure out those three things, it's kind of like a recipe, and you kind of put it together, and you just... Uh, slowly start to craft what that statement would be like I did this I did this process gosh let me think it must be over 20 years ago is when I did it and so I I'm looking at it right now I have it printed and framed and on my credenza in my office and so my purpose is through support and by example I inspire others to follow their dreams and live joyfully on purpose. And the thing about this is, you know, this was over 20 years ago, even before I had written my book and started my speaking business. This is when I just had my marketing business. But I knew deep down that that's what I was meant to do. And so many of the decisions I've made along the way, I've made them after consulting with this purpose, after thinking, saying to myself, does this serve my purpose? Is this a direction I should go? And it's really guided me in so many ways. That's so, it's really wonderful to hear this and, and so inspirational. And, and I think in a way it's, um, you know, I can imagine or in my experience, um, what, what the, this corporate culture and education system and all of this somehow has, um, made us forget our purpose and mm. make us focus on a career. And I think if you ask university students or young people, you know, what what would you like to do? What would you like to become? They they would think in terms of a career and, and very kind of in, in a immediate, you know, I would like to work on a computer somewhere. You know, that's I think what, what we can we can imagine, especially as young people. And 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 this uh, quest for purpose is is somehow very neglected by mm. education system or you know it's it's almost as if we shouldn't have one you know right right and i i usually say when when i talk about this i usually say to to my audiences now you know let me warn you here don't think that just because you figure out what your purpose is and it doesn't fit what you're doing right now means that you have to quit your job and, you know, go in a whole different direction. You might be able to tweak the job that you have. You might be able to shift into another department where you, where you can 
express your pur- purpose better. You might be able to uh, express your purpose through service to others mm. in a volunteer capacity, Absolutely. which might, yeah, which might be something that, that within your corporate environment, you can get going, you know, whether it's a, a dress for success drive or anything like that, or it could be like, I, I, I give an example of, you know, the, uh, the accountant who, who works at a, you know, a, 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 for, a, a, a professional service firm but he has a love of animals. Well, he can do the books for the local animal shelter and feel like he's serving his purpose as a volunteer. So there's so many ways, creative ways, that you can express your purpose without necessarily leaving your job to find it. Yes, and we also have had a couple of podcast guests and who, who have spoken about that when you are in groove, with your talents mm. and your purpose, and somehow it all kind of aligns, mm-hmm. then work doesn't even feel like work anymore. Is this yeah. how you're experiencing <laughs> That's this? That's right. <laughs> work becomes play. That's yeah. right. That's right. So um, maybe going a little bit further, you work with individuals, you work with organizations. Mm-hmm. In, in your uh, experience, what are maybe some of the, the, the barriers that still exist within organizations for not engaging with the whole conversation around work-life balance mm. and well-being? And, and what do you see sometimes as, you know, what triggers maybe a willingness in organizations to change? Oh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think a lot of it, as you might imagine, depends on the nature of the company and the industry. Um, for example, a, a con- construction company that I, that I've worked with, um, you know, they, they were clear when I was going to come in and do some work-life balance programs for them that they said, uh, everyone that's here knows the demands, uh, of this type of job and the long hours it takes. So they knew that coming in and they accepted that, but we are concerned with health issues because we're having, you know, our health insurance rates are going up. There's there's more issues around everything from obesity to uh, high blood pressure mm-hmm. because of the nature of our work. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to get them to creatively find ways to take better care of themselves while still working in this type of environment. And so that's what we focused on, you know, with them. And then other companies want their people to have a, a fuller, more well-rounded lives because they, they recognize that it makes them more creative, it makes them more productive, it certainly makes them keeps them healthier. And so each company that I'm working with seems to have a slightly different idea of what balance means to them. Um, but a, a lot of times what I recommend to companies is to figure out, you know, when they're trying to create programs to help with balance within the company, to make sure that they're asking their employees. Hmm. I think that's really important, uh, what they want. Yeah, that it's not imposed. Yes, that's right. Yeah, they need to feel, and they need to be involved to, to feel ownership, to be motivated, to be engaged in the process, because... If, if it just comes from above, then it may feel like a flavor of the month, some kind of management fad, and, yes. and they, will, they will be disengaged, and even if it would be good for them. Right, right. Absolutely. Which aspects of your work do you enjoy most? Is it the mentoring, the speaking, the writing, the coaching? 
Is it a, a mix of those? It really is a mix. I think if I were to like to prioritize, to me, I love to speak. I love to be up in front of a group, and sometimes it's just at the at the uh, at the front of a of a uh, conference table with a bunch of executives, and then sometimes it's in a ballroom with three to five hundred people. Um, I love to see those light bulbs go off, and often they will be using a worksheet as I'm talking and to see them scribbling down takeaways and things that they're planning to do and then get the feedback afterwards that just, uh, just fulfills me. Uh, and then the writing is also something I enjoy. And then I do a handful of what I call uh, wisdom mentoring programs with professional women where we figure out where they are, where they want to go. And then over a three-month process, I help them to either get there or be on their way to getting there mm -hmm. based on the, the 10 principles that, I, that I've written about and that I speak about. Mm, wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. So before we uh, go to our last question, um, would you like to remind um, and tell listeners your website, where they can reach out to you, where they can get in touch with you, and what are maybe some of the documents that they can find there, some of the elements? So my website is simply trishamalloy.com, and that's T-R-I-C-I-A-M-O-L-L-O-Y, trishamalloy.com. And there they'll find uh, articles and videos, and uh, my books and my e-books are there. And um, I also have a, an article that, is, that summarizes my work-life balance wisdom program. And if they'd like, they can just send me an email and I'll send that out to them. And that's simply at Trisha at TrishaMalloy.com. And, oh, and they can also get my newsletter uh, right on the homepage. They can sign up for the newsletter, which comes out about once a week. And, it, and each time it focuses on a different uh, strategy and how to put that into practice. Fantastic. And we will put all of these details also into the show notes of, of the podcast to, to make Great. it even easier for, for listeners to find you. So um, coming to the last question, which is always the same here on the Work Life Podcast, if I could ask you, Trisha, to give one advice to a CEO to improve the work-life balance of his or her employees, what would that advice be? So I think... What I, what I mentioned earlier, asking their people what they want and need, not to make assumptions, and one size doesn't fit all, uh, to make sure that they understand that, like you said, it's not the flavor of the month. This is something that they're committed to. Um, and their needs will change and new people will come on board. So to ask often and keep updating what's offered. And then along those same lines, as the programs are taking hold and starting to make a difference, to take the time to highlight the benefits of the programs. So I, I put my marketing mm -hmm. hat on and say, you know, create case studies about, about the, the benefits that come from these programs and what a difference it's made in the lives of employees and also in, in the success of the companies. Because people need to hear those stories in order to say, okay, I can do that too. I think this is absolutely vital what you just said, because very often in these conversations, we get to the point of first it's the convincing, then it's the, okay, let's, let's uh, ask colleague, let's start something. And then we, we somehow forget the follow-up. 
right? To document, document in the institutional memory yes. what, what, what has happened and what impact it had. And especially living in a world of constant change and also where CEOs and managers may change, what, what you just said, I think, is of vital importance to, to, as you said, to capture and to highlight and to self-advocate basically for the perpetuation of these programs. And celebrate, celebrate those successes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you very much, Trisha, for um, taking the time to be with us on this podcast episode. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And, mm, and me too. I, and we've taken away a lot of uh, wisdom from you. Thank you. You're welcome. My pleasure.